Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. My name is Ronnie Brown, and I'm the author of Amazon's best-selling book, From Mopping Floors to Making Millions, and was once a teen mom turned millionaire business mentor. I created my Girl CEO community for women like you. Girl CEO, you are a trailblazer, a creative, an innovator, a boss, and a woman who knows that she deserves more. Join me each week while we uncover what it truly takes to be your own boss and become a successful girl CEO. And don't worry, sis, I got you. Hey, everyone. We are talking to licensed therapist Tia Brown on Protecting Your Peace. And she is joining us right now. Hello. Hey, Tia. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. All right. Um, You're looking great. Thank you. I'm going to give everyone a second to join. I'm actually going to let some of my followers know as well. Oh, my goodness. That's like night and day. Yes. I I must have had makeup on my face and didn't clean my camera. I'm like, what? All the time. That is hilarious. So how's your day been going? It's been good. good. I've actually been relaxing this morning. I had another group session yesterday and another one the day before. So it's been pretty busy. So I just chilled out. Like I definitely make time for self-care. I have been watching this morning, binging this show called Cobra Kai. Now I'm in New York and I'm on a busy street. So you're going to hear stuff. It's okay. It's okay. I'm in a busy busy house with a bunch of kids. So mine might just fly down the steps. Start making noise. So I think we're going to be pretty even here today. You'll be good to go. Um, Guys, let me let you know. Come on over to Shop Holistic and join us for our live today. We are talking to licensed therapist, Miss Tia Brown, on maintaining your peace in the midst of chaos. So come on over and join us. We are live on the Shop Holistic page. So I want you guys to come on over to that page. I won't be broadcasting through this one, but just come on over and join us. So I just wanted to give you all the heads up. Join us on Shop Holistic for the discussion. All right. Come on over. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am a licensed therapist and a life coach. I've been uh, licensed for about 11 years now. It's crazy how quickly time goes by. Before that, I was a full-time journalist, and I just realized I love helping people as much as I love writing stories and, and doing interviews and all those other things. So I've really devoted the last decade of my life to helping people have what I call practical life skills. These are coping mechanisms, uh, self-care rituals, and different ways for them to engage in short-term therapy to help create solutions for their happiness. Of course, you know I love us some us, right? So my target audience is definitely brown women, black women, because we have not been exposed to therapy the way that other cultures necessarily have. And let's face it, there are a lot of stereotypes about what we're supposed to deal with, right? We're supposed to deal with stress. We love to deal with strife. You know, Nas has this line in one of his songs saying, they love to hear the story of how the thugs live in worry. And that's also applicable to black women, right? Like life is supposed to be challenging for us. You know, we're supposed to always have that cape. And they don't talk about how you deal in the midst of handling those challenges. So that's really what I'm very passionate about, helping women, helping people develop coping skills to make sure that they can have the best life that they can possibly have. Yeah, you know what's so interesting about that? I saw a quote yesterday and it really stood out to me and it said, I don't want to be strong because I was broken. You know, I don't want to be strong because I struggle, right? I want to, I just want to be strong, right? Because I'm a strong woman. I absolutely I, agree with that. Yeah. I Go think ahead, I'm sorry. Sure it's always she's strong because she went through this and that and this happened to her and that happened to her versus though so she's just strong. Why do we have to struggle and just go through so much to be considered strong? And that just really 
stood out to me. Another thing I just wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, right now, mm. there's just so much happening. I, I kind of feel like 2020 has been the strengthening year. I call it the strengthening year because I feel like when you just go through things, it just kind of strengthens you, right? <laughs> but it's just one of those things where I tell myself to just to say it's a strengthening year versus like the worst year ever because so much has happened. <laughs> It's me in my head protecting my brain. Absolutely. Um, with all that's going on, what are you suggesting that people do just to kind of stay positive and to keep those negative thoughts out, out of their minds, especially, you know, as women? Right. I think that so many people have been doing a good job of talking about self-care rituals. Unfortunate thing is like the number one thing that started out, especially in the beginning, was drinking wine, right? <laughs> and you know, sipping on a little something is good here and there, but it's not a consistent ritual, especially when you're dealing with prolonged periods of stress. So I definitely think it's important for people to find more healthy coping mechanisms when they're dealing with stress. Exercise is a big one, right? It relieves tension from the body. It gives you space to clear your mind and it also strengthens your body. So I always encourage people to do that. But what I think the biggest thing is you have to look at your personal situation and think about what you have that's accessible to you to help you unwind and manage your stress in healthy ways. So if you have kids in your house and, and they're under 12 and you have to work, you know, what's applicable to you is going to be different than a single woman who is chilling and by herself. Right. So you have to, I'm that woman says, <laughs> right. So you have, to figure out, right? you have to figure out what works to de-stress based on your circumstances. The other thing that's important is for people to realize how many layers of stress you're dealing with. So you have, you know, the big level social issues that are going on, right? With all of the racial injustice, protests, marches, violence, people getting killed in the street, murdered by people who are supposed to protect us. That's one level of stress. Then you have socioeconomic stress that deals, whether you're rich or poor, as a person of color in this country specifically, you're dealing with those issues. Then you have the stuff that's happening in your household, yeah. right? How's right your here. income being impacted? What's going on with your relationships? What's going on with your kids? What's going on with your parents? What's going on with your friends, right? And then you have your personal stuff. What's going on with your own health? What's going on with how you feel about yourself? So I think it's really important for people to take an active tally. What is going on with me? Yeah. Right. Where do I need support? What can make me happy? And admit, like, I have a lot of ish going on. Yeah. You know, when I started working out, and guys, let me say this. I want everyone to share this live with three or four friends because I think we women, we have mastered this, right? In the midst, (laughs) right? Looking good, faces beat, body glistening, a lot of shit going on in the background. Exactly, exactly. And it's like everything is looking good, but on the inside, we struggle with so much. But when I started my weight loss journey, it was because I was so stressed, right? I was all over the place. I had gotten to a place where, you know, I was working so hard running my business and I kind of put myself on the back burner. It was business and my family. And then I looked up and I had gained about 20 something pounds, right? And I was like, whoa, I started looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, this isn't me. This isn't what I expected me to look like. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't looking good in my clothes. And I was like, I got to take my life back, right? Right. And that's exactly what I did. So when you talk about, you know, exercise, I have really found a source of meditation and running. I started running uh, two miles a day, at least three to four times a week. That's impressive. Yeah, and... I don't know. I had a treadmill in my home, but it wasn't as therapeutic as me being outside and looking at the trees and you know the wind blowing and things like that. So can we talk a little bit about some different strategies and some different methods that you suggest for just calming your mind? Because one of the things that I really struggled with when I was running on the treadmill in my home was actually silencing all of the thoughts and just, I would be running, but in the process of me running, I will be keeping a tally of this is on my to-do list for today. Um, I got to do this call. I got to do this email, you know? And then I would be thinking about, okay, got to get this done for my kids in school, but it wouldn't really be a moment 
to myself. So I really struggle even, I don't know if anyone has ever experienced this, but I even started going to get like massages, right? Mm -hmm. And I would literally be on the massage table getting a massage. And while I'm getting a massage, my phone is under me. And I'm like Mm. checking my emails, checking my texts. You know, I'm thinking about what's going on, but I could not calm my mind. How in the heck, you know, do you suggest other people do that? Because I just started canceling out everything. But what are some of your suggestions? Well, I think what you're saying, Ronnie, is actually a great answer. The issue is that how you cancel out things is going to be different based on the person, right? So you are like so many women who are doing multiple things. And even if you are not a business dynamo, if you're managing family, friends, work, and self, it's a lot on your plate, right? And there's an expectation that we will show up evenly excellent in all those areas, right? And it's just not realistic. So the first thing you said that really stuck out with me is that you tried different things until you figured out what works, right? So a lot of times people will hear, oh, my girlfriend went to the gym and I'm going to work out in the gym or my friend got this home Peloton system and that's what I'm going to do. The reality is that you have to try different things to figure out what's actually going to work to help you relax, right? So there's no, there's no one prescription, one stamp fits all. So when it comes to exercise and that being a source of relaxation, we know that it's healthy and we know that it's important. Physically, it might help people relax more, but everyone is not going to get to the same place in terms of mental relaxation with exercise. So I want you to exercise. I want you to figure out what works for you if it needs to be indoor, outdoor, home, gym. But then if that's not enough, it's like, okay, what next? What works for me? So this is the one blanket thing that I advise people to do. When you are a busy person, it's important for you to make a list and schedule in that self-care as the time regardless. And what does this do for us mentally? Number one, it reminds us that this is something that has to get done. We can't put it to the back burner. Even if we miss one day, we know we have to move it to the next day for our to-do list. Number two, when it's added on the to-do list, mentally, it's something that you're now checking off your list and other things have slots, right? So we want to clear up our mental space for those 30 minutes, that 60 minutes, that hour and a half to say, well, this is the time I allotted for this, right? And that's okay. And those other things have their own allotted time. So for people who are super busy, especially people who own businesses, people who have jobs that are very demanding, make a list, put it on your slot and know that that's the slot. That's the time to get it done. And it is like training yourself, right? (laughs) I call it like Pavlov's dog, right? The bell, the same way, you know, five years ago, 70 years ago, we weren't expected to have our phones with us all the time answering emails. We slowly became trained to do that. We weren't trained before to answer texts and phone calls. But back in the day, you know, and I know some people on this might be 30, right? But there was this thing called the house phone. And if you missed the call, you missed it. Then they had an answer machine and you hit people back when you want. But what's happened with cell phones and smartphones is that people now expect to be responded to in the immediate time. So what I've done is train people to wait. Now, everybody doesn't have that luxury because if you have children, if you have a spouse, if you have a very demanding job, you can't always make people wait, right? So you have to figure out based on your circumstances, who can wait and who can't. Right. Because every day the job isn't going to be as important. Every email isn't going to be as important. Every day what he's asking in that moment isn't going to be so important. Or, you know, if you know that the kid just wants you to get another switch from Walmart and is saying, mommy, where are you? Or order pizza again. That's not as important. Right. So you have to train people to know to value your time in a certain way. Again, not ditching responsibilities, you know, not being a neglectful parent. But creating that space for yourself in whatever way you can, what's realistic for your situation. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. Once you train people to give you five minutes, 10 minutes, automatically, (laughs) it tends to start moving to 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's how I understand. I'm like 24 hours until I respond. Thank you. Right, right. And for work stuff and things that are important, you can have those automated responses that pop up at the bottom of your email or that go out when you leave a message to let people know. But in reality, most things are not as urgent as we think they are. Yeah. We've made them seem urgent. For sure. And so that's what's important. The only thing that's urgent is your survival, your happiness, your ability to thrive. Because without you, nothing else goes on, right? Yes, for sure. 
And we had tons of women that also messaged me, you know, another thing. And they say, I'm dealing with guilt with like not putting myself first. And and I'm always serving or I'm always worrying about what's happening to someone else. But I've yet to start focusing on myself and my dreams. Right. So much of our identity, specifically as women of color right now during this time is being awesome, being great, being exceptional. And guess what? We are doing that. There are more Black women who are owning businesses. There are more Black women who are graduating from school. More Black women who are executives. Always been dynamic moms. Always been great partners, right? But all of those hats, we don't give people the space to be helpful because we're fixers. We're doing because we created a culture where we are supposed to be, right? (laughs) And thank you. You know, how many other people are doing that, right? So you have to ask for the help you want and realize that being weak, as they say, doesn't make you less of a person. It's in the moment. Needing support doesn't make you less of a person or less valuable. It doesn't mean that you're not still a queen or amazing or dope or doing it all or the CEO, right? You need a support staff. So line up those people who are going to be your support staff. And guess what? The people who can't show up for you are the people who don't deserve to receive from you. Let me say that again. The people who don't show up for you are the people who do not deserve to receive from you. Yeah. Can we kind of elaborate there? As far as handling that as a woman, as a businesswoman, when you don't have those people that show up for you, what are some things that some of these women can do if they feel alone, if they, you know, they don't have that healthy relationship, they don't have those healthy friendships? What are some ways that they can grow through that season? So I'm going to talk about logistics first, and then I'll talk a little bit about the emotional side. So logistically speaking, we know that studies show that most Black female entrepreneurs, or let me say a lot of them, are solopreneurs, right? So that means that you don't have necessarily a support staff. They may be freelancers. They may be people that help you out. And traditionally in work culture, the environment has even stayed changed because it used to be more, you know, there was an assistant, a secretary. Now more people are permalance, freelance, and you don't have that support. So you have to do the work to create that support. So the first step is identifying the people who you want to be your support team, right? You have to say, okay, these are the people that I'm going to be willing to train, that I'm going to be willing to spend my education with. (laughs) I have so many clients who are are solopreneurs and I'm like, well, you got to train somebody if you want them to help you. Second, you have to be okay with them not doing it the exact way you did it because people are going to do things in their own way. Right now, it needs to be to a certain standard. Right. And you have to be patient because it might take one or two or three people. Like, let's keep it real to find the support. I have moms who who have, you know, nanny support or, you know, babysitting support. And it might take two or three times to find the right babysitter. It might take two or three times to find the right assistant. But you have to invest the time in finding someone to groom. The second part on logistics is you have to be a bad bitch with a team of friends, peers, crew that you can call on to be your support in a clutch situation. So that might mean you have another fellow CEO that you know, if it gets real, I can count on her to help me and take her management hat off and do some tasks and I'm going to do that for her. What does that do? When unpredictable stuff happens, when things get really stressful, you do have someone to support you in the interim. Yeah. And so on the- Can I jump in and say this? Because I want to make sure I also point this out. A lot of people think that someone that's accountability partner that is just as successful as you in business, they need to be a 20-year friend, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone that you've known for 15 years or someone that you discuss personal issues with or, you know, personal struggles with. And something that I've had to personally learn, Tia, is that you have to put everyone in a certain bucket, Right. Speak so on it. People that I talk to about business, and we just talk about business. We talk about goals. We talk about what I'm working towards this month. And the relationship is a really an accountability relationship. It's not personal. It's not your girlfriend. It's not him right. out. It's not you out. You know, we don't do any of that. But we just right. talk about strategy. We talk about goals and we talk about business. And then you have another bucket where you might have your good girlfriends where it's like, bitch, I'm stressed out today. I'm going through it. <laughs> like, this is what's going on in my personal life. And that's like the real, like, inner circle with people that you can trust. And I've really learned that you don't have a lot of those people. You have, like, your therapist, like yourself, right. you 
know, thank right. God for you, Tia. And you have maybe one person that is going to give you sound advice. And I just want to stress with the personal thing, I've learned that it's so important to have healthy people. You know, you talked to yes. me about when we were at Cabo and I was getting like a therapy session, a mini therapy session. Then you were like, yeah, you got to get some people around you that's going to give you sound advice because if you don't have people around you who are going to give you sound advice, people who are encouraging bullshit, right? People is like, you will And that's on so many levels because it's not just about business, you know, because as a businesswoman, you want to have friends that are going to push you when it's necessary and not put fear in you and give you anchors, but also let you sail. Right. But then also when it comes to your personal and romantic relationships and child rearing and dating relationships, all of that is important because you are going to have friends that are going to give you bad advice on all of those levels for different reasons. Can we say that part again? (laughs) They will. They will. And some of it will be because they don't know any better. Right. We assume that everyone is trying to sabotage us. You know, I have clients who told me that their girlfriends have told them cheat you know, or steal or do this or do that. And it's like, you know, everybody has to make their own decision about what's ethically right in a scenario, but people will give you advice based on their frame of reference, what they think you deserve. (laughs) And that's always relative to what they believe they deserve. Right. Let me say that again. People will tell you what they think you deserve based on what they think they deserve in their life. So it's so important to make sure that you surround yourself with people who you can pull on and that you know are going to give you great tips. So for that second piece in terms of how do you make that space, it's really what you're saying, Ronnie, creating that village of people who are also going to say, girl, you're doing too much. I need a break. Or girl, you're doing the wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, you need a break. You need to do something different, right? And then creating the space to do that. So whether that's short-term therapy, I don't always say people need to be on the couch for years. Some people have really big issues and it's terrible, right? But the reality is you still have to function in the midst of that. So short-term solution-based therapy can help you attack a problem. You know, I'm having issues in my relationships. I'm having issues finding my voice. I'm having issues with my weight. I'm feeling down because it's a pandemic and it's six months. And I need someone to talk to that's not leaning on me, who's not expecting me to solve a problem for them. I had to lay off my favorite freelancers. I had to lay off my assistant because we're not generating as much income. And I feel guilty. Because I still have my house in my car, but I cannot hold someone else because I'm a small business owner, you know, or I think my business is going to end, you know, my kids are losing it and unraveling. How do I support them? You know, so there's so many ways that we need support. And it's important for you to figure out how do I create a scenario where I'm constantly around a village of people who, who remind me of who I am and what I need. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I just think about is the label of therapy. Um, So many people are not going to get therapy because they immediately associate the word therapy with something is wrong with me, right? Or I messed up, right? I've come to terms with you really need to get some therapy from a licensed therapist because the truth is your friends are not therapists. And let me tell you the biggest issue with that. Yeah, let me tell you the biggest issue with that. Your friends always have a vested stake in an outcome for you. They always do, whether it's something that's perceived as good or bad, yeah. right? And not to say that a therapist doesn't want the best for you, but what happens with friends is that they will gear what they say more because they do not have the strategic tools, you know, the ability to disconnect in the same way as a more neutral party. And therapists are not supposed to ethically give therapy to people who are friends because we are subjected to the same bias. Yes. Right. After a while it goes from, these are the healthy goes like, girl, leave him because we don't like his ass. We don't want him around here. <laughs> exactly. We that girl. She's it's not like, she will be like, he did what? Oh, his ass gotta go. That's your dad. No, you can't listen to this. Oh, he, she ain't doing this. Oh, go get somebody else to do Like, that's not sound advice. No. And it's natural to be biased because you want the best for that person. And you want what you perceive as the best. But therapy is about helping that person get to the point where they can make healthy decisions and they can identify 
the best thing for themselves to do based on what's going on in their life. And let me say why this is important, because no one gives you the whole story, right? And no one tells you everything. That people aren't going to be what makes them look better at the time. You know, I've been guilty of that before. It's like, no, I can't do. So we just talk. So let's talk about what's wrong with you. And then I've had to dig, you know, I had to own my shit. And I think it has been the healthiest thing. Just like, okay, you got to own your stuff as well. Because accountability scares the hell out of a lot of people. You know, that's something that I've really come to grips with. People say that again. Say that again. Accountability is scares the hell out of a lot of people. And I think that in especially in black families, this is just something that I've kind of thought about. Like, where did this come from being yelled at as a kid, right? Or being accused of something as a child, right? I think that it has put us in a position where if we make a mistake. We've been taught to avoid saying I bury something, yes. right? Because the yelling or the screaming or looking like the bad person. But I've come to terms with, you know what? I'm 100% okay with owning my mess. I can accept everything I've done. I feel better. I feel like a better person when I can take accountability. I don't need to cover my stuff up with like lies and, you know, just junk or tell myself different things to make me feel better about the shit I'm doing. So I just feel like it started in the black homes from the whooping you used to get when you made a mistake, or <laughs> how, how all five people in your house used to gang up against you. And I just think that we really have to just not even for us, but teach our children that it's okay to take ownership when you yes. fuck up. Absolutely. And I think it's super important for us to realize that there's not one experience for the black household, right? So some people got yelled at, some people got ignored, right? So how does that affect how you interact with some people? Some people something might happen and instead of addressing it, your coping mechanism may be ignoring it. That was the case. Right. Some people may have been not spanked, but beaten. Yeah. Right. Some people may have been compared to another sibling, right? So how does that show up? when it's time for you to, you know, interact with others. So, you know, I did a a session recently about attachment styles. You know, the way that your parents, uh, specifically your primary nurturer as a baby, made Mm -hmm. you feel secure or insecure shows up in all the relationships we have until we start doing work on them, right? And so it's so important for us to understand that we're not operating based on who we are today right now in this moment. We're operating based on the body of who we are. So I can't give advice to you based on today. I got an thinking. <laughs> right. Right. I can't give advice to you as a friend based on today. Right. So as a therapist, I'm helping you realize how you make better decisions based on the body of your life and all the things that you've learned and all the ways that you cope and all the cycles that you've been shown and recreate. Yeah. How do we change that? How do we make that shit better? <laughs> you know, and we all got cycles. And I also think it's important for us to understand like, There are things that happen because of oppression, right? So a lot of behaviors in our households, you know, whether you were financially well-to-do middle class or lower middle class or poor, if your parents were together or separated, there are certain things that happen because as oppressed people, a lot of us internalize oppression and then we put it out on other people. So that's a lot of where the yelling comes from, right? Mm -hmm. You know, not only am I frustrated and I'm, I'm small in other places, where do I let that out? I've also learned that this is how you are big. You yell at other people. You make them small. Yeah. That you was, know, that power dynamic <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> that's yeah, so. And I commend you for sharing that because that's not just you. That's millions of people. Black, white, you know, Hispanic, Asian. That's how people respond to stress and anger. You know, it's not just you. And I commend you for also saying, like, I've been trying to change. I've been working on it. You know, I'll pop up on these kids the same way, even when they get on my nerves, you know? And also remembering too, you know, I don't want to get too much into a session, but when you have children who are growing up significantly differently than you, yeah, you know, and then it's like, now what? I have these expectations of them. I'm using certain parenting styles that were applicable for a certain time in a certain scenario, but now I have these kids that I've given a whole new life. And so they are not the kid that I was. Yeah. And making sure that you're not fighting forcing your expectations of what you accomplish even on your kids because I've also had to check myself 
in that area as well. And then really learning to be patient, you know, with my children, you know, as far as when they make mistakes and not always looking at the negative and even checking myself. Because I think for me, when you get to a certain place in your life, you're always just thinking about like, where are my kids headed? Where are my kids going? This is where I've gotten to. I want to make sure that my children get there as well. As a parent, you're kind of calculating and trying to set this perfect schedule of <laughs> this is how, because I'm like, all right, my son, I, I keep having these talks with my son. I'm like, all right, you about to be 20. Uh, what's next? What's your plan? And I sat down with him <laughs> one night and this was like last week. And I'm like, okay, in order to do this, like in order to buy your first home, you're going to need this. You're going to need that. I'm like, okay, so this is your plan. And then after I did it, I kind of went up in my room and I sat and I was like, Hmm, what's the number one question there? What's the question? What's the question we're missing? Come on. I was like, this is his life. Like he has to go on his journey. And then Thank I you, mommy. myself and I was like, girl, you know, y'all know I curse. I was like, bitch, your life was fucked up. And look at you now. Stay grounded and know that people make mistakes and that yes. people, you know, when you're growing up, you just do dumb stuff. Let me just say that. Like you just do dumb stuff. And then you have to wake up and you have to grow on your own. So I've had to really just get to a place where I'm like, okay, I have to let my kids be kids. They're not going to be a CFO tomorrow. Like, what am I doing? Like, relax, like calm down. (laughs) And I think that when you said that what you've gone through, you kind of live your life through that lens. And I Mm -hmm. think that for me, it's always, you know, thinking about I was a teen mom. Okay, I grew up in the project. So in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, my kids not be teen parents. I will not have my kids growing up in the projects. I made this mistake. I don't want them to make this mistake. So you try to live your life making sure your kids don't make the same mistakes that you make. But the truth is, they have to make their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with you. Like, it's their journey. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I started taking notes because I was like, I don't want to interrupt you because you are such a good role. But there's a couple of things I want to speak to all the parents out there, to the aunties, uncles, those planning to have kids. The most important job of a parent is to character build, right? So you want to give your child, number one, good character. Number two, the ability clearly to take care of themselves and to have certain life skills so that they will be a good person and they can handle themselves. I think one of the biggest challenges is ambition. Right. Because we assume that the only people who have ambition are people who have come through adversity. Right. And that everybody will have the level of ambition that we have. Right. And so it's okay for kids not to be ambitious, as ambitious as their parents, especially when they're super successful. And that is such a hard pill to swallow. This is why people force their kids to go to college. (laughs) You know, they force them to try to take over companies. I think Kudos to you, Ronnie, and the other parents out there. You have to be okay with your kids figuring out their own level of ambition, you know? And one of the tools that can help them figure out what their career path will be, whether it's to work for themselves or to work with someone else, that I always suggest is for people to take a career assessment test, right? So these tests allow people to align their skills with their likes, right? So you might have someone who's good at being, they like animals. They could own a pet shop. Or they could be a veterinarian, yeah. right? But you need to give kids and young adults the space to figure out what they like and then to match that to their ambition. Now, as a person who is like, I want to go through, str- I, I want to struggle. I don't want my kids to go to the same struggle. The other tool that I offer them, again, estate planning, right? So this is like, this is the difference between like coaching and therapy. Like with coaching, I go through a whole bunch of other stuff. The reason why middle-class people and upper-middle-class people, their kids do better is because their parents have created all of these safe havens to basically funnel them money because they have low ambition. Let's keep it 100. So there's money for you to buy a house in something that's making money, that's creating interest. There's money for this. There's money for that. So for parents who are extremely ambitious, are watching their kids figure out their level of ambition and figuring out their careers, Talk to a financial planner to figure out how I help have, ensure my kids have some level of security. And then you have to do the work with being okay with, I'm not going to spoil them in the process. I'm going to give them the appropriate things that they deserve based on whether they're being a good person, whether, you know, they're being responsible, 
And then their life is up to them. And then I can give them things that will help make them more financially secure and that they can pass along to the next generation. Because when we talk about legacy building, I remember in one of my first jobs, one of my coworkers, her grandmother was buying her roof in her house. Buying her what? Her roof. Her new her house needed a new roof. And she was complaining. She, was, she, she might make me pay her back. I don't know. That Those are the things that change. Creating pockets of money for kids to have and for your grandkids to have, right? So that also creates a level of security in terms of knowing that I can provide for my family going down the line without having to control or thinking that I can control who this person becomes. You can't. You can't. What I've noticed noticed is 90% of the time when you do have one responsible person in the family, I think in my family, the responsible person was my grandmother, right? So she was working hard and she was making the money, but the mistake that she made was, okay, your children, right? We're working hard and we're making the money, but do we invest in the personal development of our children, which is what you were saying as far as integrity, right? Making good choices, how we treat people, right? Managing our finances, because right now there are a ton of people who are probably watching this live and- you are somewhere about to go to a mall and buy some labels, go on a vacation, you know, and you can't even afford to be doing those things because there is no legacy as far as finances in place for your children to be able to inherit. And what you said, it just really stood out to me because you said wealthy people are not forcing their children to like be bosses and be CEOs. What the wealthy do is they create pockets so that when they pass away, there's an inheritance there, whether you are ambitious or not. And that is what gives them a head start. And that shit is powerful. 100% the real deal, right? And so I don't want people to think that it's, in, it's not important to push your kids. But if you have children, the most important thing right now is to make sure that you are rewarding them according to how they achieve and out of love. Two separate pockets, right? So they get you give out of love. And there are natural consequences that happen. So if your kid is a D student, they should not be getting gifted an A car, right? Because a lot of that comes from, I didn't get to stunt, so my baby gets to stunt. And it doesn't, that's not how it works. Right. And so you you don't teach them anything about money or earning anything. Yeah. My son graduated from high school and he graduated on the honor roll and Mm -hmm. I bought him a used car in cash, right? And I told him that he had to work hard to be able to get the car. If he couldn't get a job to cover the insurance, then he couldn't drive the car. Well, guess what? He waited and he played around. He has not gotten his license. And mm. that car is still sitting in my driveway and it will not move until he gets his stuff together. And it's just that simple. Right. And I think it's important to create those kind of boundaries and scenarios where children, young adults are learning how to manage money how you earn money, what are your options for generating money? And the more we can disconnect what we give kids from what we lost or what we didn't have or what we wanted, the stronger they will be, right? And it doesn't mean that we don't want kids to have fun and have good, like I am the auntie who will buy the Jordans, right? But there are levels. Like if you get a C, you can get designer sneakers, but you can't get the $200, $300 ones. You can get, get the, the running sneakers. You can get, get the, the C-level sneakers. Because <laughs> I'm not it's also an important, like you got to know your kid. Like if you can afford it and your child requires certain things to feel a certain level of comfort, getting him the Kmart stuff isn't something that's realistic. So I'm not, I'm not encouraging parents to do that. But I am encouraging parents to have more conversations with their children about career choices, business choices, talking about how money is earned, talking about our emotional connection to money, right? Because we have one too, you know, and how that influences decisions. And that's going to be the thing that helps them in the long run. I think we have so many people in our generation who have grandparents who owns, own homes, own businesses, and, you know, oppression, redlining, integration, all of these things impacted our financial stability. For sure. But the reality is that there were not a lot of conversations and baton passing regardless. So what does that mean? You might've had a grandparent who owns a home, but there was no discussion on how to manage a home. You see it happen all the time where you have a mortgage. Who leaves property to a son, 
And the son didn't learn money management. The son didn't learn how to save. The son didn't learn how to make lunch instead of not go eat out. And then the parent passes away. And then the next thing you know, the house is, uh, what is that list called? On a lien list. They have a lien on their house because they didn't pay their taxes. The tax because they don't have insurance. Because, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z happens. So, it's so, it's so important. And, and let's not, I don't want to vilify the parents because there's some things that people just didn't know, right? You don't know that this is something that has to be necessarily a sit-down exchange that's going back and forth. And we also know during that generation, there was a lot of protection going on because there was so much going on racially. I can go down this list because personal finance is like one of my other babies. But the important thing here is when we are looking to minimize our stress as parents and as the, that adult generation right now, the biggest thing we can do is talk to our kids about life skills. Talk to them about how they're dealing with the anxiety that's going on during the pandemic. Is that making them buy more stuff online? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, is that making you spend more money? Like I have a lot of nephews who are buying all the ish on the games just because they're home, you know, and it's helping them step away from their anxiety. So kids as well, we have to talk to them about their stress. We have to model for them how to manage stress in a good way. So that means that if we're shopping because we're stressed, what does that teach our kids? If, shop because if we are dining out because we're stressed and eating at a cheesecake factory two, three times a week, which I have been guilty of all the summer, <laughs> and, and, what does that teach the kids? <laughs> then, that's, then that's, you know, where we go. And right. let me just say this to you. We have about 10 more minutes. So I want to make sure, guys, if you are watching this right now, you are enjoying this, go ahead and click share. Share this with some of your friends, three or four people who may need to come back and watch this because this has just been such a powerful session. Share it, comment in the chat when you've shared it. And if you're listening to this on podcast, because we will be sharing this on the Girls Heal podcast as well, make sure you just share this episode with someone who may need to hear this. The last thing I want to talk about is what really is kind of here at the peak for a lot of women. And it is relationships here. I've learned that with working and mentoring and coaching women, stress from relationships had really drained a lot of women, women in business. And it kind of paralyzes them to continue to be able to push and just move towards their goals and keep their energy up. I have two questions for you. First things first, how do women stop? with their expectations or the world's expectations or where they should be at a certain timeline. And if they are in a toxic relationship that is rocking them or draining them, or maybe they're dealing with a narcissist or whatever the case may be, how do you transition out of that in a healthy way? Okay. That is a that heavy a question. question. No, no, no. It's a heavy let's question. Start, let's start with the first one. <laughs> because the world's expectations of you should be married by this time. You should be pregnant by this time. With your husband, girl. Listen, I still get it. And it's heavy because when I talk to women about this, I never give them the answer that they want to hear. I give you the truth, right? The truth is, I want to cuss, but... <laughs> Like, F the world's I'm a cusser and I'm yeah, so I'm you got to say yourself. So let me just stress that as the CEO of Holistic, you're right. We are about you being yourself and you being authentic and whatever makes you feel good. We'll grow in that area when we get there. Let's go. Yeah. So a lot of people know if you had therapy with me, if you've had coaching, I cuss. You got to say, fuck the world's expectations. Here's why we are dealing in a unique situation as young people of color. And I say young with a little bit of sauce, because you know, we the eldest too. But the reality is that dating and marriage is a challenge for our community right now. And it's, again, not to say a lot of people get married, we have a delayed marriage rate. But we're also dealing with a pool of men who have had trauma in ways and their coping mechanisms have been very different from ours, right? And some of that is because we had a generation before us with more single women head households And that had a different impact on the women than it had on men, right? So expectations were different on different genders. And then the role that we assume based on what we were experienced and exposed to changed, right? So you have more women being bred to be dynamos early, right? To survive, to be providers. You had more men not having male role models directly in their household. 
right? So that also delays their progress in certain ways. So you have to be okay with saying, you know what? I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I still want to be married. I'm still going to actively date, was I say, with an open heart and understand that that process is not going to be on a rom-com timeline, right? It's not going to be at 25 necessarily. Some people, it might be 19. For some people, it might be 43, mm-hmm. right? And you have to be okay with whatever part of that journey is. For some people, it might be 50. It's just the reality. And if you're not okay with the journey, what will happen is you will take more and more shit just trying to have someone in your space, right? So that shit does not have to be a but say we gotta say that one more time. See, and, and look, <laughs> let me just say this: every time she drops a bar, share this episode with a friend or invite a friend to this live. Every time a bar drops, let's just say that one more time, Tia. You will accept more shit just to have someone in your space, right? So when we think of crap, we always think, oh, it's gonna be someone being abusive or someone cheating. That's not the only crap that happens in relationships. You have people who are emotionally manipulative. You have people who are emotionally unavailable and not interested in doing the work. You have people who are draining, right? So you're not going to be able to work to get to your best person if you are operating from a space of desperation. There's a difference between being sad and disappointed and being desperate, right? So you can be single and sad and disappointed, still say, I'm going to have my sad days. I'm going to go to some therapy. I'm going to talk it out with my girlfriends. I'm going to go on dates, even with people who might not be my husband, because I want to have some of that male energy around. But I don't want you to be the girl who's like, whoever says yes and got a dick that gets hard, maybe, or some money, maybe, or just willing to show up, maybe I'm going to take. Because that's the person that's going to drain you. That's the person that's going to hold you down. That's the person that's going to make you miserable. And that's the person who is not going to serve anything good happening in your life, right? So we don't want to pick from our deficit space. Mm. We want to make sure that we're filling up as much of it as we can. Again, it yeah, isn't easy. Cash out. What's your cash out? Just tell us your cash out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to be okay with being sad. I call it going weak, right? We think that if we're on our knees or we're sad or we say it, because I have to tell you, ladies, and I don't share usually of myself in a lot of spaces, but I'm going to share here. I'm single. I'm a woman of a certain age. I've gotten out of relationships. And, and it's not always easy. And when I tell the truth in spaces because of how I show up, like right now I'm sad. My friends don't like to hear it, but it's the truth. Some days I'm sad. Yeah. Some days I wish I just had a partner, but that's not today. That's not my reality. So I have to have those sad days. So that way, my happy days can truly be happy because you can't put a mask on and pretend you're happy when you're not. Because that's also going to lead to you picking a person out of deficit, right? He just might look different. You know, he might look like he has it together in a certain way, but he's also going to be draining you. So be okay being sad. Be okay still being open. Be okay, you know, waiting for the right connection to happen at the right time. And that's all you can do because... That is our scenario. Anything else, quite frankly, is a lie. Yes. It's a lie. And you can do all the right things today. You can pray. You can meditate. You can do all. And the next day, that right person won't show up. And then you feel like, why? Why not me? It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with timing. It has to do with preparation. And your job is to be the best you so that you can see the right person when he comes into your space. And you can keep kicking the assholes out of your way. And here's the other thing that's going to happen as more people who are desirable stay focused, right? Because you're always going to have women who will do anything, people who will do anything to have a partner. But if you're desirable and you have your ish together and you're bringing your good energy, more people are going to improve. It's just naturally because the supply and demand changes. It just does because there are a lot of black men out there. The numbers aren't that off, even with prison, even with, you know, education differences. There are a lot of good Black men out there, but they get to be lazy. They get to have fun. They get to dibble and dabble because a lot of dope women compromise. Mm -hmm. So I can go from here. I can go to there. And and women, on the other hand, are doing it too, Mm. right? Like both people. It's like you have to compromise. Go ahead, Tia. Let me let you. Go ahead. You know, you have to do the work. You have to say, I'm not going to keep swiping. I'm not going to go to the next hiccup. When I find someone who aligns with my core values, even if we're butting heads a little bit on certain things. I'm going to do the work there. And that's it. But stay, I don't want to say stay strong. I want to say stay firm. 
stay firm and anchored in being a quality person and being a happy person and being a healthy person. And you will eventually get closer to where you're supposed to be. And, and that guy might not be perfect, right? He may have some flaws, but he cannot have core issues. You are never going to grow with a person who has long-term history of being abusive emotionally, financially, mentally, physically, and not willing to do significant work on themselves. Mm. That's just it. You'll have a body, but you're not going to have the body you want. Ooh. And the second question was, remind me, remind me Ronnie, because I know we're close to time. I just want to say this. We hear core values a lot in business, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that people talk about core values that you have to have in your relationships. Can we can we touch on that? That's going to be a whole other session for us, right? <laughs> but I will give you a, a highlight on this. Right? Y'all got me sweating up here. I'm getting excited. I love talking to my people, right? <laughs> so you need to understand what's important to you the same way you would need to understand what's important when you're doing your business, right? So for me... I always tell my clients to dig deeper than, you know, I want someone who wants to go out. I want someone who thinks family's important. You know, the core values are the definitive things that will make a relationship work and how that impacts how a person shows up in your life, right? So a core value can't be, you know, I I just like someone who wants family time, right? You have to dig deeper than that. You have to dig into what about that makes you tick. And that's how you start identifying your core values. And the other thing that I always remind people, you know, in sessions, people love to talk about how someone started doing them wrong. So then what we start to explore is how do we see them show up for other people in their lives? Mm. Right. So I personally have witnessed most people who are not honorable as a core value to their family, meaning their children, Mm. their parents, they're not going to be honorable to you. Mm. Right. So you have to start thinking about when I'm looking at a person who looks nice and shiny, you know, he's handsome, he's fine, she's beautiful. He has the right car. He says the right things. Her body looks great. How are they treating other people who are anchor people in their lives? You know, honor is something that does not change. A person isn't going to honor you for long periods of time if they're not honorable. Mm. Right. So when we start exploring core values, those are the kinds of things you want to think about. When you think about family, what does that mean? You know, because people will say they value family. They go to the cookout, but, you know, they're not doing the work with their family. You know, if auntie is sick, they're not going to the hospital to visit. They're not taking a trip to another state to make sure that someone's house is cleaned up. You know, if they hurt themselves, like these are the ways. So how does family actually show up as a core value in your house? So for me, core value of family means that this person is willing to not just receive, but take action and be a giver in their family. And transitioning out of these toxic environments as an entrepreneur woman or a Mm -hmm. woman or as a mom, last question, how do you transition that out? Because we answered the first question, you know, what people think and their expectations, um, Mm -hmm. how do we get past that? We say F that and we keep moving, we keep it moving transitioning out of these type of toxic environments for the entrepreneur woman? You have to be okay with saying I've had enough, right? Like people want to, like there's no one transition plan that's going to fit all because some women are financially enmeshed with men in a way that leaving today doesn't make sense, right? Some women are emotionally or sexually or, you know, children are invested. Leaving today is not going to be uh, the end all. Making the decision that I've had enough is the start of your transition plan, right? It's like getting somebody out of the White House, right? What is my transition plan to move? Like you win the election in November, you don't leave until January. So if you're not in a situation where you can leave today, you need to start, you need to make the decision. Have I had enough? Do I no longer believe that this person is going to evolve into something greater because they can't do it for themselves so they can't even do it for me? Right. And am I ready to start making my transition plan? And once you do those two things, your life is going to change. You have to know that you're done because one of the worst things you could do is let go of someone and then bring them back in. Because what that shows them is that your word means nothing and that they can treat you however they want and they still get what they want. And that just puts you in a position to be a perpetual victim. Tell them again, T. I think that's something you need to repeat one more time. (laughs) If you keep letting people back into your life, it tells them that it's okay for them to treat you poorly. 
There's no consequence. So the behavior will not automatically improve. Let's look at it from a toddler perspective when we're at our most basic instincts, right? If you give a kid cookies after they've had a tantrum and you're like, no, 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 no. And you still give them the cookie. What happens the next time they have their tantrum? They looking for that damn cookie. And they're going to keep doing what, you're going to have a baby crying out, falling out every time you give, because they expect the same reward. Everywhere you go. Right. You have to train them to know that if you treat me poorly, there's no reward. So that's why people give kids timeouts. They leave them on the floor, walk out the aisle, let the kid have a panic attack and they go, shit, you left me. Because you have to know that if you do this behavior, you don't get that reward. And so that's why I'm like, the first decision you have to make is that I no longer believe this person is good enough and worthy of me. Yeah. Because if not, you're holding out to the thing that if I'm good to them, I can train them. To be a better person. Someone says, you can't train you, anybody. You can't. You, a person has to decide. Now, people can change. They have, but to, they have to decide. Better. They have to decide that they want to change and be different. And that's all you can do. So you have to decide that I don't want to be with them. And once you're firm in that decision, you make your transition plan. Now, some people's transition plans can be, your shit goes tonight and you're blocked. Fair. You know, but some people, it may take more time. And I need you to be okay with that. The thing is, that transition plan needs to stay between you, yourself, and, and I can't say I, but you, yourself, and you use, okay? <laughs> That's it. Because the more you start talking to people, you start hearing back talk, no, stay focused. And then unless you need support in some type of actionable step, you bring trusted people in for that. And your transition plan needs to be solid. Yeah. You know, and, and it has to be something that's safe as well, because we understand that, you know, people, especially if you're a badass B, Nobody wants to lose that. No one is expecting, if you've been an enabler, they're not expecting to lose you. And so that can manifest itself in many ways from physical outbreaks, you know, people maybe hitting you, getting rough, to financially trying to sabotage you, to trying to sabotage your reputation. These are all real. These Lifetime movies, they're basically, you know, the law and order. They're based on real people. (laughs) Right. People are crazy, right? But everybody's not crazy. A lot of people are just bullies, uh, you know. But you, you want to be mindful of creating a transition plan that's safe. The other thing I always say is you always give people their honor, right? So when, they, when you back someone up against a wall, they're going to act out in ways that you cannot anticipate. So avoid creating confrontation just so you can have a release. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have the last word. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to lead somebody in order to lead. Your best last word is nothing. Because that indifference gets motherfuckers like, what? She don't even care enough to argue? That was a pop- so we, we, You got to put that on the t-shirt here. <laughs> no, it's true. You don't, don't say anything. You just keep it moving. Your, your last best words are no words at all. It's true. It's true. So protect yourself. Do some deep, because I don't want people to watch this and say, oh, I'm going to move into action. No, you know, it might inspire you, but I need you to think about it. I need you to think about what you really want and what's true to you because I want your action to be true. I want you to be ready and I want you to be accepting and willing of what God and the ancestors have for you next. You know, so regardless of how challenging these times are for us right now, I believe, I believe that we are all destined to have our own forms of greatness. I believe that we all are deserving of happiness. And I believe that you can craft your life to have more happiness in it. You have to believe that. And when you truly believe it, you will move in a way that reflects that. And yes. people will see. They definitely will. Well, Tia, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us for, for some holistic convo today on this beautiful Sunday. Where can everyone come to book a session with you? Where can they find Yes. Yes, come through. RSGtherapy.com. I'm doing teletherapy sessions because, of course, of the pandemic. But I'm so happy and honored to be able to help us, help our community. I'll also be doing more group interactions. I have a a series I call Group Therapy, and we hit on different topics. So I invite you all to look at my Instagram page. It's a little light now because I'm swiping it clean and redoing it, but it's Tia Brown Talks. And I'm just so happy to to be in the space. Monty, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for Holistic and what's next for you. In all facets of your life, you are a dope woman, an inspiration, and you are fun. And I cannot underscore that enough because a lot of people feel like life's journey is not supposed to be fun, right? And from our interactions, right? 
from your time with your children, which is like, I think it's so great that you still embrace being fun. And I want women to take that away. Like as you are going through your ups and downs, life should still be fun. You still got to fight for that happy and do it. Yes. Well, I love you. And make sure you check Tia out at Tia Brown Talks. And make sure you guys go follow her. Guys, make sure you come and check out Shop Holistic. Um, get you some self-care products. Get you your tea. Yes. Get cold outside. Get you your collagen. All the things. Your candles. And take that time <laughs> for yourself. Her website is www.rsgtherapy.com. And we will be saving this on the IGTV on the Shop Holistic page. So be sure to share with a friend or two or three or maybe five. And we will also be sharing this on our podcast, prayerfully in download so we can put it on the podcast. And I'll see you guys <laughs> later and have a great week. Thanks, Tia. Bye. Thanks, Ronnie. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, ladies, for joining in. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.